Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. We should like title this like 30 minute intro or something like that, just to like <laughs> give people a general idea of what they're walking into. <laughs> And welcome to episode 515 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. It has not been a productive day. No. It's, no, it hasn't. We're recording this on inauguration day. So it's been lots of CNN watching. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I sometimes forget. I was telling this to uh, our coworkers in the Antiphony the other day. I was like, I forget sometimes that like I have the option to go sit on the couch and work while the TV is on. I'm so used to doing it in my office because I'm more productive, but <laughs> uh-huh. that's also an option though, is going and putting on MSNBC and yeah. Yeah. I, I, I same thing. Like I could put it on and I always forget. And then like on days like today where I'm like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just sit here and watch him speak and answer emails if I have to. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's nice. yeah. Um, because of all of the things happening in the world, we asked you, the lovely listeners, over the past week or so to send us potential questions you had for us. There are some, I'll, I will read some of these fantastic emails and stuff that we got throughout as we go. Um, but just a heads up for people. We're not doing book recommendations today. Neither of us could think, uh, we were both off. I mean, Monday. they might come up in conversation, they- who knows? But yeah, but they'll be organic. Like we were both off Monday. Jill was off Tuesday for some house things. Today's inauguration day that we're recording this. You're going to hear it on Thursday. So we're going to answer some of your questions because a lot of you are interested in our pets and the drinks that we enjoy and lots of other unrelated book things. It's very Mm -hmm. sweet because a number of people reached out and were like, I actually like when you talk uh, for a long time about (laughs) books. So if you are explicitly listening to this podcast only for book recommendations and not for our lovely personalities, that's okay. We'll catch you next week. We should like title this like 30 minute intro or something like that. Just to like <laughs> give people a general idea of what they're walking into. <laughs> oh my God. That's so <laughs> 30 minute intro and no book recommendations. Like that's <laughs> Oh, that's probably what this is going to (laughs) be. Maybe, you know what? I maybe I'll just put this all together and then I'll just do the intro music at the very end. There you go. There you go. That's actually not a terrible idea. That's so funny. Um, (sighs) Okay. So I compiled a whole bunch of questions that we got from people, and we're just going to kind of go through these. There's a few. I'm going to point out some lovely messages we got from people that I think are going to be future episodes, just so that you don't think you're messages have gone unnoticed so let me go through those real quick and then we'll get to the actual questions so um roxanne wrote in who is just lovely and we have both interacted with many many times on social media and and via email um 
And what Roxanne had to say was, as I'm pull this up, uh, zoom over. You both seem to have really a really healthy and fun relationship with food and enjoy cooking. So I was wondering if you made any meals, snacks, or drinks that were inspired by books that you read or book food cocktail pairings. That would be really fun to hear from a whole episode. Um, I think we're going to talk about like the maybe snacks that we have reading thing today, but I really love the idea of um, food or cocktail and book pairings. And as I think I slacked or told Jill, um, she doesn't know this yet. She's probably going to hear it in real time. We're just going to make Mallory maybe do that one with us. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're Mallory. We could just do like a whole like cookbook episode. We've never done that before, but. True. And that would go along with one of the requests that we got, which somebody asked if we can make sure that we're doing different professional book nerds reading challenge task episodes. Mm-hmm. That's one of our tasks. And we'll, we will do that. Um, so that was really lovely. Um, also, Roxanne said, thank you too for all the positivity books, suggestions and laughs, especially this past year. You're appreciated more than you know. That was very sweet. Um, we got another message with the name I think I may have removed. Good job by me. Um, Hi, Adam and Joe. I just started listening to your podcast a few months ago and love it. Listening has helped me get through the pandemic. So thank you. Uh, Along those lines, I love apocalyptic and post-apocalyptic books, but disclaimer, only ones with some hope at the end. My favorite is Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. I read somewhere books like these have been called hope punk. Have you ever talked about hope punk punk books on your podcast? I'm curious if you consider it a genre. I definitely consider it a genre and- that may end up being an episode because I really like that idea. Yeah, I've never really uh, had heard of Hope Punk as a um, genre, but yeah, I'm sure we can find stuff to talk about with that. Yeah, but that definitely was one I feel like will take some research because I don't want to just, I don't want to tell you to read an apocalyptic book and be like, pretty sure there's a happy ending at the end and then there's not. I would hate to crush spirits. That would be sad. I mean, if I recommend a apocalyptic book for you, that's probably not a happy ending just as like a general rule. So I'll have to do yeah. some research for this one. <laughs> yeah. Probably more likely to get a happy ending from the apocalyptic book that I recommend as opposed yeah, to yeah. I recommend. Um, somebody said, can you guys offer, uh, offer starter packs of your respective wheelhouses for Adam, for example, maybe some badass lady pirate books, and for Jill, a couple murder mysteries in schools, etc. Fun fact: actually, if you go to the Overdrive blog, um, I back in the fall there are two separate blog posts. We we can link them in the notes. I'll be sure if someone wants to, if they care that much, or you can just go. But um, there are two blog posts I have written that feature those types of um, yeah, school murder mystery type, like dark academia type books. Um. I think there was probably between the two blog posts almost 20 books mm-hmm. i think i don't remember for sure so. i think that was the one where geely siegel one of the co-authors of i'm not dying with you tonight like tweeted at you like how she also is right right there with you on yeah the, but the first one and she was like mad like jokingly mad at me because of all the books she'd have to buy and i was like well you know i only, i stopped myself with one I'm going to write a second post. Yeah. (laughs) And then she also got mad at me because I specifically like when I wrote the second one a week or two later, I was like, hey, Geely, look. Yeah, you added her. Um, There's more. You're welcome. So so yeah, so those are on, it's blogs.overdrive.com, but I'll I'll put a link in the show notes for those. 
Um, someone else asked, can you discuss books set in countries or states you'd like to travel to? I think that's going to take some thinking. Yeah. Um, but I like that one a lot. And then someone also, what are some of your favorite health books? And then they mentioned Jill specifically your interview with Jessamine Stanley about everybody yoga. Um, and I think we can do an episode of Uh health adjacent health related books. Um, so, uh, lots of good stuff there. And then, or here's some questions we will answer today. We'll just kind of go down the line. First one. Um, so many people want to know about our pets, which makes sense. Cause we're a, a, a pro. What somebody specifically was like the pets of overdrive and book books related to them. And it's, we can do pet related books again at some point, but for now, let's talk about ours. So Jill, you have four cats. Tell us about your four cats. I do have four cats. Two of them are quarantine cats. Um, so uh, my cat, Chloe, is I got her when I was in grad school. Um, she's like 13, 14 years old. She's a uh, tortoiseshell. She's got that tortitude. If you are a cat person, you understand that. My cat, Linus, is... <laughs> <laughs> It's a thing. Fortitude. I just love it so much. Linus um, is a tuxedo. He is 12. He's 12. Okay. So he's 12. Uh, So Chloe is 14. So Linus is a tuxedo. Fun fact. He is named after the character Benjamin Linus from Lost, played by Michael Emerson. Um, (laughs) Benjamin doesn't really make a good cat name, but Mm -hmm. Linus does. Um. Then, uh, so those are, yeah, my two cats that I brought into our, my, my marriage, we had two other ones that unfortunately, um, were my husband's that passed. And then back in April, we adopted two more cats. Again, they are quarantine cats. Mm-hmm. If I ever have to go back to work, it's going to be a struggle because they're used to me being home all the time. Um, Zoe is a tabby. She, uh, she still doesn't, it like, it's been almost a year and she still doesn't fully trust us. But, um, she, uh, like she got lost. I think I talked about this on the podcast where she got lost. I think after we found her, I talked about it. Uh, she like got lost in our house for three days shortly after we got her. And I found her in a a kitchen drawer. Um, and she was not happy. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So she, it's, it's been a rough ride with her, but, um, so they were a bonded pair at the, the shelter and the other one is Zelda naturally named after princess zelda from the legend of zelda um and she's like a long hair she's really pretty she's got she had to have like eye surgery before we adopted her so she's got like one wonky eye (laughs) (laughs) um and she she's the one like if i go back to work it's gonna be a struggle with her like if i have to go back to the office full time it is it's not gonna be good she (laughs) she she gets like she loves me to a very intense degree <laughs> like mm-hmm. sleeps curled up next to me and um she gets jealous of other cats hanging out with me even though like she came in after the other ones oh she's nine we adopt her she's nine and then zoe is a two so those are our four cats nice um i have two dogs the oldest one is a 10 year old weimaraner named holden uh he is a old grump he has been an old grump since he was like two um you know how just some animals like like my other one i'll talk about in a second is eight but he's still very much a a puppy 
Uh, Holden has been a grump forever and ever and ever. Um, he is very much a, uh, he's not, he's like a show dog. Um, I have a Weimaraner and a Vishla. My Weimaraner is bred from, I like, I think a line of show dogs. I don't know. We got them both from um, farms who happen to have the type of dog that we got. So they're not, they weren't like specifically breeding. They just happen to have a number of Weimaraners. And then if they ever happen to have litters, then they sell those litters. So that was really important to me because I never wanted to go to like a puppy mill of any kind. Um, but I did want a Weimaraner and he's wonderful. He's my first dog ever. Like I said, he's 10. He unfortunately, uh, about four months ago was diagnosed with blood vessel cancer, which is apparently a thing that is common in Weimaraners. Um, so my dog is taking very expensive Chinese herbal supplements every single day. Um, but he's doing great. Uh, he also over the past two years has had, speaking of eye surgeries, he had surgery on both of his eyes. Um, Again, perfectly fine. Ironically, I'm talking about him right now. You may hear a dog barking downstairs. <laughs> that is Holden. He's very loud. Um, and he has what I jokingly call koala claws. He has very long toenails because he will not let us clip his nails. Mm -hmm. uh, my mm -hmm. other dog who you've heard us mention. Oh, his name is Holden. He is His name is not from Catcher in the Rye, which is a running joke in my family because I hate that book. He is named after Holden McNeil who is a character in Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy, which is one of my favorite books, which will actually uh, will be a part of a question that I think that's coming later as well. Um, my other dog is an eight-year-old Vishla named Remy. He is, if you've never heard of a Vishla, but you know what a Weimariner is, a Vishla is basically a red Weimariner. Um, big floppy ears. They are bird hunting dogs. We do not hunt with them, but he <laughs> was raised on a farm. Well, not raised. He was born on a farm and apparently his uh line of dogs that he came from was hunting dogs so he is definitely one of those dogs for like when i owned a backyard he would literally hunt squirrels and if i have him on a leash he will like hunt other dogs like do the whole like walk slowly and freeze in like a pointing position it's very cute he's extremely cuddly uh he is live he's like i said eight years old and a forever puppy um just endless energy um he is not named after anything in particular. I just like the name Remy. I guess technically there's an X-Men Remy LeBeau, which I think is Gambit, <laughs> but that is not what he's named after. Um, so yeah, there, those are my, those are my dogs. Um, and we'll, we'll be sure anytime we bring on other people from the office, we'll just specifically have them talk about their pets when they, when we introduce them, because we haven't done that quite enough. Um, so those are our pets. Someone, again, so we we did get asked, our preferred snacks and drinks while reading. Do you, Jill, have snacks or drinks that you lean towards when you are reading? Snacks? Not really. I guess I don't really snack while I read. Mm -hmm. um, drinking, like, you know, coffee. Yeah. I drink? It's a lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this, too, because, like, it's the same, like, I do a lot of audiobook listening in the morning and of course I have coffee then and, and it'll just like it's like transitions to tea at night I think but there's no real specific snacks I know the reading glasses gals have like a whole thread and multiple episodes and I think they have a one of their slack channels is all about snacks and like that is something yeah I also I, I guess I don't make like, um, it's not like a ritual for me for like reading. It's just kind of, I read right when I can. Um, yeah. I mean, if we're just talking like snacks in general, not necessarily even reading, like I like popcorn. Who doesn't yeah. like popcorn? Uh, you know, like 
chocolate covered peanuts um Ooh. i'm a big fan of the chocolate covered peanuts like goobers but also the kind you can find just at like grocery uh-huh. store yeah there is a i'm a huge pretzel person um mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is a type of pretzel called dots i don't know if you've ever had them i got them at heinen's there they are pretzel sticks though like thin pretzel sticks but they are flavored and they have like um almost like a southwest like a sea like a southwest salt on them they are lovely Mm -hmm. they are the type of snack that will get on your fingers to kind of burn them off you know that's fair Um, so if you're listening to an audiobook not a problem but if you're reading like a physical book that can be an issue um i just bought a ton of girl scout cookies from my niece oh yeah that's been a real problem yeah. I do like trail mix. Sometimes I'll just like make trail mix with, that's like a good reading snack. Mm-hmm. I'll just sort of like make my own trail mix with like whatever nuts or dried fruit we have. Um, and then I did make a whole bunch of checks mix over the holidays. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you brought this up over the holidays. I, so over the holidays, uh, I made candied nuts, which mm-hmm. shockingly easy. You just, Oh yeah. My husband made some too. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Yeah. You just take like one or two egg whites and you beat it and then you just mix it up with whatever spices you want. I use mm-hmm. like nutmeg and sugar. And then you just toss it all on the, on the nuts and you toast them for a long time and they are just delicious. That's, that's a good snack. I, that, that's one of those snacks though where I could like mindlessly because they're nuts. Like I could mindlessly eat like 4,000 calories worth of candy nuts yes. immediately. They're delightful. But yeah. I, the cocktails thing, I don't like make any specifically. Usually I'm just drinking a lot of bourbon. Um, well, yeah, especially now, <laughs> lots of bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Um, real, uh, so, Jill, are there any movies that you enjoy about books or writing? Um, I one movie I love is Shakespeare in Love. Um, and I love it because if you know Shakespeare, there are so many allusions to Shakespeare lines in Shakespeare in Love and like Shakespeare movies. Um, and I also just love that uh, Dame Judi Dench won an Oscar for like two minutes on screen. <laughs> oh, she's the best. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so I, I do like me some Shakespeare in love. Um, you know, we have like talked about um, Page Master. I know Page Master's yeah. come up on this before. Page Master podcast. Never Ending Story is about a book. You know, that has also come up on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Misery, of course, is very like meta because you got Stephen King writing a book about somebody writing a book and like in the Misery book, um, if you have not read it, you know, the character of Paul Sheldon's being basically held hostage um, and has to write a new ending uh of his recent book series because his crazy fan is not a fan of what he did um in the book but the typewriter she gets him keeps breaking and so like letters are missing from the typewriter and Mm -hmm. as the story progresses you you read these typed pages um within the book and like the letter keys are missed it's it's it plays a lot with format which i really like uh i will add so like I said, my dog is named after Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy is tech. It's a Kevin Smith movie, and it's technically about some people who create comic books. Um, ben Affleck's character, Holden McNeil, and his partner, Banky, are comic book creators. And um, 
I love it. Uh, his books feel very, or sorry, his movies feel very much like books lot because he is so heavily dialogue focused. I will say Chasing Amy, it was written and created in the early 90s. It plays fast and loose with some um, gender identity slurs. So that's not great. That part did not age very well. Um, but I do enjoy that. Uh, Finding Forrester is... Mm. technically a book or a movie about books um i like sean connery's character who i think is supposed to be jd salinger i can't get away from catcher in the rye right now he's supposed to be like a jd salinger type where he is a very reclusive older man who wrote a book that was very very famous and he didn't ever want to go out in public about it um there was that Johnny Depp movie about a book that was like the devil's Bible 13th gate, I think. Oh yeah. I wouldn't say that's a good movie, but it's what <laughs> I enjoy. Um, then there was one more that I can't, Oh, we princess bride. We talked about last week. That's oh, yeah. kind mm-hmm. of the same thing with like a mm-hmm. never ending story. Um, so yeah, those are just some of those. Uh, somebody else asked, what styles of books slash formats do you enjoy? They specifically mentioned your Daisy Jones oral history enjoyment. Are there other styles other than um, oral histories? I know you are currently enjoying an oral history, I, I think. Or did you finish that book? I've not finished it yet. Um, yeah, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I'm going to have to look it up now because I cannot remember the exact title. Uh, yeah, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev is another um, oral history about uh, uh, musicians from the 1970s. So sort of like Daisy Jones. Um, Yeah, I love me oral histories in like any, not just books. Uh, The Ringer does a lot of oral histories. Right before we started recording this, I was reading a Donnie Darko oral history up on The Ringer right now. (laughs) Um, Oh man. I just love oral histories. I just love oral histories. um, I don't know if there's any other sort of formats. I like reading plays. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, there it's pretty much all dialogue, which I think you can learn a lot um, of writing craft from reading plays if you're struggling with dialogue. Um, because that's all, you know, you have to go on. Mm-hmm. Pistolaries are always fun. The yeah, long writing like type stuff. Pistolary. Yeah. I will say in the when I'm reading a book in the moment if it is one that jumps between timelines from chapter to chapter in the moment I'm usually annoyed because I'm like just give me one timeline but what I always end up realizing at the end of the book is I actually like it when you see how they tie everything together um and really just kind of trust the reader there was um somebody I think it was Catherine Locke on Twitter who is a past guest of the podcast, they discussed The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, which is one of my favorite books. And what they said about that book was they enjoyed it because Aaron trusted her readers. The first maybe 100 pages of The Starless Sea jumps seemingly to unrelated entirely stories. And you don't know what's going on, but Aaron kind of, it's like a implicit, like, hey, trust me. Mm-hmm this will all make sense. And it does. And so I think I really do find myself loving those types of books where the author knows like, Hey, stay with me. You're going to understand. So books that are maybe intentionally vague at the beginning and then slowly 
slowly unfold themselves. Those I really enjoy. Um, and then as I've talked about like Wendell Berry and stuff like this isn't really like a genre or a format, but just like books that are about a small moment in time in a small place. I really enjoy whether it's like a singular relationship or a singular small town and a thing that happens there outside of like huge galaxy changing events. I like those kind of small moments. Um, I do like books about books where like the book is in the book that I, I did get a it. terrible job describing <laughs> it. But I talked about Fangirl last week and Fangirl, you know, she has um, before the actual Simon Snow books, um, before Rainbow wrote those in Fangirl, there are snippets of the Simon Snow books um, as like chapter headers or section headers. Um, and then also like, uh, like Misery, where you're, you know, you're reading the book along with Annie, uh, Annie Wilkes, um, The Blind Assassin by Margaret Atwood is a book about a book. And again, you get like pieces of this story within the bigger context of the actual book that you're reading. And it's always interesting. Like, it's one of those things where I'm always curious, like how much, if you're just giving snippets, like if the author is just giving snippets to the actual audience in the final book that is produced, how much do they have that they didn't put in? You know what I mean? Like if Rainbow Rowell was able to create Carry On and Wayward Son, like clearly she had a lot of this world building built outside of the book that we don't see in Fangirl. Um, so that sort of thing is always interesting to me. And I like reading those books. Like I like getting that sneak peek of a book that's mentioned within a book. It's mm-hmm. very complicated. It's very Inception-like. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> S- Something uh... else... I'm finding that I enjoy is we are obviously very big in Jill and I on discussing diverse authors and diverse topics and diverse books and the importance of approaching those types of stories and reading them and loving them. But the more and more diverse books and stories I read, what I really love is reading books about reading books from diverse authors where a specific diverse aspect of them is part of the story but it's not the entire story because i think that lets them extend i get just like a, a, a good example of this i'm doing a very bad job of explaining it so let me just try and use a specific example i am reading um detransition baby by tori peters uh tori peters is a trans author and the book as you might imagine features trans characters and it's all about their relationships and all these things and the fact that they are transsexual is, of course, important to who they are, but it's not all that they are. And I think that's really important for all stories. I love when the author writes about a, a thing, and like when a African-American or a Black author says, writes about a Black person, but it's like, I am Black, and that partially defines me, but it is not all of who I am. And I love, and I think that helps people understand that, like, I hate when people are just like read books by black authors because the characters are black and that makes them different than you. Like, yes, that's true, but also you can get these stories and realize that you're not always so different and all these different things. Just, I think I'm doing a poor job of describing this, but when an aspect of diversity isn't the only thing that makes you want to read a book, I suppose that's how I would say it. I hope that makes sense. It does. I would just clarify that you said, I think you meant transgender, not transsexual. Both, actually. Oh. They are both in the book. I apologize. Okay. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, 
we misspeak sometimes and I think that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, a unrelated book question. Um, actually, sorry, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, the next question is, how do we remember what books we've read? Um, I, forward, yeah, I have a spreadsheet that I get updated um, uh, every year. I mean, it, like at this stage, it's like a like a work, you know, like a, I don't know what they call them when it's like not just a single sheet, like it's like a workbook of spreadsheets, basically, where each tab is a different year. Um, and I just write down what I have read. I, I used to try and like keep track of what date I finished reading the book. Then it got depressing where I'm like, I haven't finished a book in four months. So I don't even pay attention to that anymore. <laughs> I just list the books <laughs> and the author, um, when it came out, the number of pages, um, although pages, like I mostly read on eBooks. And so I think I usually will just go to, um, Amazon and look up what the listed page mm-hmm. number is because mm-hmm. it's an eBook. It changes depending, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, in the past have used Goodreads this year, I'm using, um, the story graph, which is similar, but just kind of like less in your face. I mean, I do definitely have moments where like, I'll look at a book and I'll stare at it for a second and be like, I think I read that. Um, I usually have a pretty decent memory of it, but what I did actually, I realized I did a presentation um, this week for a library about like books that I enjoyed over 2020. And I I remember, I noticed that while I have a really good memory for remembering what a book is about, I have horrible memory about characters' names. So I was like, so there's two sisters in this and um, well, one of them is a cop and the other one is, and like, I would spend three minutes talking about a book and I would never say a name of a character. Cause I, I have that problem too. It always would crack me up when we, would, when we were in the office and we would have any of our like content specialists come in and they would bring notes. And I'm like, Oh, you have mm-hmm. notes to read from. That's how you remember all of that stuff. And I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine. I don't, right. I don't need notes. Mm-hmm. I don't need to remember character names. It'll come to me. It never comes to me. I'm horrendous with names. I I would have to think about the names of the characters in the book I'm reading right now, the Steve Transition Baby. It's Reese and Ames are the two main ones. Couldn't tell you anyone outside of those two unless I'm reading the book itself. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I wish there was a more fun answer other than like Jill's spreadsheet and me using like said, the story graph, but... I mean, we do, I put them on, um, I do also put them on uh, Instagram on my personal one. Mm-hmm. Um, so other people know what I'm reading. I will say a nice thing if you use Libby is there is like a, your, is it your reader journey? Or like it basically so. will show you, um, I'm actually just going to pull up in real time. It'll, it, you can tag books that you've read. That's a fun way to, um, remind yourself what you have read, but if you are on your um, on your shelf and you scroll down, there's actually like a recent returns that will show you all the titles you've borrowed. You can see all those, so that's nice. Um, so that's another way to do it too. Um, okay, um, one of the last questions we got here: What are our interests outside of reading, Jill? What are your interests outside of reading? Um, well, if you have listened to this podcast enough, you probably know I read tarot cards. That's not reading like book reading. So I'm going to clue. Yeah, you're good. Different kind of reading. Um, Yeah, I read tarot cards. Um, I've been reading for uh, like a year and a half now. Um, 
And so I do um, my daily card pulls and I have a journal and I'm mentally in my mind, I have a notebook where I'm doing like a Mad Men themed tarot card deck. Uh, not that it'll actually go anywhere, but for my sake, it's helpful. Um, we both write, obviously. Um, you, can, you can promote your actual books, Jill. Okay, so um, I'm. Ter- this is the part where I'm terrible at. You're so um, bad at this. You're so bad at promoting yourself. I'm so bad at promoting myself. So I have published two memoirs. Running with the Police Escort is my first one. It is about being a slow runner in the back of a pack at races. That came out in 2015. No, 2017. Um, Reading Behind Bars is my memoir about being a prison librarian. That came out in 2019, which seems like forever ago. Um, and I am currently, um, I just turned in updated draft to my agent of my romance novel. Do you have a ballpark date for when your romance novel is going to come out yet? No, know. because, um, she still has to like submit it to publishers. We're still in that like mm-hmm. editing before it goes on submission stage of things. Gotcha. So, um, yeah. And then like you said, we are, we're both writers. I am drafting out i'm at like i think i hit 68 or 69,000 words so coming along on a kind of ya new adult type of a book um but i also i'm a distance runner um so spend lots of time outside ran my first marathon during the pandemic all by myself by myself my brother-in-law it was awful um, I'm never doing it again unless it's a, <clears throat> a part of an actual race because you don't realize how much like that race environment mm-hmm. helps. Um, so distance running, I'm a big home chef. I like I try to cook every dinner from scratch. Um, so I get lots and we'll do like Joe said, we'll do recipe books and stuff. But there's lots of really fun uh, food blogs and things that I very much enjoy. Um, one of my favorites is Half-Baked Harvest. And she actually has a couple of cookbooks and I think her family is originally from this area. Cocktails, I've in mm. quarantine, I've gotten like big into, there's a YouTube channel called How to Drink, which is like exactly my aesthetic. The guy is um, not a bar, he's never been a bartender, but he like loves the history of cocktails. And so he talks about the history and then he makes cocktails and like, the guy himself is a video editor. So all of his stuff looks really, really sharp and clean and crisp. And he has like jazz age music as his background music. And like everything is just so you can tell that he even knows, like even like sonically, like the cracking of ice and like he knows what sounds mm-hmm. to focus in on. Um, and then he'll do like seasonal things like he did. a He did a bunch of um, like Christmas vacation related eggnogs and he's done. So um, I've been getting <clears throat> pretty big into cocktails. Do you want to talk about your, your, your lovely, uh, animal crossing? Oh, that's right. I play a lot of animal crossing these days. That's right. I do play video games. Obviously my cat Zelda is named after, um, yeah, like I said, legends of Zelda. Uh, so I am a big fan of breath of the wild. Um, and yeah, I've been playing a ridiculous amount of animal crossing. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this last time we talked about this on the podcast, but if so, sorry, my sister started playing, uh, animal crossing back in November. Um, and I started playing on Christmas and she came and visited my Island after I'd been playing for maybe a week or two. And she's just like, look at all the stuff you've done. I'm like, I don't have a three-year-old like you do. (laughs) 
what do you think I do with my time? Mm-hmm. I'm done with work and I play Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> I have time to build my island up and have like all this stuff. Yeah, I play a lot of Animal Crossing. Yeah, I, I the same thing. I don't have children. And so people will ask me, like, how do you make a scratch dinner every night? I'm like, I don't have kids. So I throw in an audiobook and I spend an hour and a half in the kitchen making yeah. whatever it might happen to be. Yeah, I, if I had children, it would be like, what can I it's quickly Very make? different, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So neither of us have children. And so we do have those, the freedom. I'm also a, a, I'm a new gamer really. And then of course I'm a reluctant, I'm a reluctant Cleveland sports fan. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I have been all my life. I'm a huge Cleveland baseball team and Browns and Cavs fan as much as they like to hurt me. I was given that passion by my, my father and I have it still. So, um, I do collect, uh, Funko pops. Um, yeah, you do. <laughs> Yeah, they're uh, actually if you've if you've attended any of our live events, you have seen them in the background because my desk. Um, you've seen some of them at least. There's mm-hmm. a very small portion of my collection. I'm trying to like look up. I have an app where I um, keep track of everything because, of course, my collection is yeah 80. I have 80 items, uh, Funko Pops in my collection. It's it's a mix of things. Um, there's a lot of baby Yodas. A lot of baby Yodas. I can my see husband like bought me. Right yeah, my husband bought me all the baby Yodas that are currently available. Um, so I have like a, a stuff like a Star Wars shelf. I have Doctor Who. I have all the Mad Men ones. In case you've not picked up on it, I really like Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of drinking, like I bought the complete set of Mad Men on DVD because... Um, it's like it, it was on Netflix for like a decade um, streaming and then the contract was up along with a lot of other shows, right? Like The Office. And so they moved. And I'm like, you know, these things can all like stop streaming at any time and I would not be able to watch Mad Men. And I have a couple seasons on like I've purchased um, through Amazon Prime TV stuff, but I'm like, again, that's sort of just like a license. Like they could also go away at any time. So I ended up buying the the full DVD set uh, finally. And I forgot it came with like glass tumblers. Like I bought the fancy, fancy version. <laughs> so I have like, there's like coasters and um, yeah, like glass tumblers for my bourbon and whiskey, like Don Draper. <laughs> Awesome. And I bought the Mad Men cookbook. We can talk about the Mad Men cookbook too in our cookbook episode. I like Mad Men. So I have all the Mad Men ones. Um, I have Labyrinth. I have a whole mix. Mm-hmm. A whole, whole bunch of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about us, I guess. Um, we will obviously get back to real book related things. Um, I think next week will probably, if I'm doing math correctly, I think next week will be February Yeah. Book. Yeah. Um, and then Monday is an episode. Uh, Jill did an interview with Courtney Summers, which is fun. Oh, man. Y'all, y'all, it was so much fun. Just as like a preview, it's about her book, The Project. Uh, we spent 30 minutes talking about Jonestown and cults. Yeah. You was, had that to look forward to. It's very, that was very Jill. So, yeah, that, that'll be the night. That's the next week of episodes. Um, I said we'll get back into actual book recommendations but thank you guys for sending in questions and stuff because it gave us something to talk about that wasn't book related um in a week when neither of us admittedly really want to talk about books um so that was very helpful uh you can always find us on twitter and instagram at pro book nerds email us at professionalbooknerds.overdrive.com or find all of our episodes at professionalbooknerds.com and you can do searching for any 
books or authors or genres and anything we've talked about related to that will pop up in the search bar. So anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. All right. Well, let's start the show. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed this 30 minute intro on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.